You are listening to Baking Boss Kitchen Secrets with Naomi Rose, the food business talk show that shares with you the reality of what's happening in the food and hospitality industry. I am on a mission to help as many people as possible grow and build successful food businesses. Each week on this podcast, you'll get useful information, top tips, as well as what's really happening in the kitchen behind the scenes. Let's get on to today's show. Hello friends and welcome to another episode of Baking Boss Kitchen Secrets, the podcast that goes behind the scenes of what really happens in the kitchen of a cafe, bakery, home baking business. I'm Naomi, I'm your host and I am going to be sharing top tips and my experiences of owning my own cafe and bar and bakery. Before I get into today's episode, I have got some super exciting news to tell you because I am going to be launching a new baking business course coming up this November. And I have designed this listening to all of your feedback, things that you really need help with. So this has been designed if you're looking to start up your business or if you are trying to turn that side hustle into a full time baking business, because sometimes you are just destined to do something. Sometimes you can feel like you just need to bake every day because that's what you're meant to do. But you just really can't figure out how to get there. And I get it. I've been there myself and I learned the hard way because I did it all alone. I did it on my own. I figured everything out from Google, which is why. I'm designing this course. So if you want to know, be the first one to know about when this course is launching, I want you to come and get on the wait list. I'm going to put a link in the show note of this podcast episode and it'll be on my socials as well as on my website. I want you to get involved. And before I launch, there are going to be free masterclasses and there will be a free challenge with competition prizes and all sorts. So come and get on that wait list to find out all of the exciting things I've got planned in November. Today's episode, I am talking about how to get more customers into your baking business, because this is something we always want more customers. Sometimes we feel like we have too many, but that's a good problem to have. So if you're that person that has too many, maybe come and drop me an email. Tell us what you're doing, because it'd be great to hear from you. Naomi at bakingboss.net. Today, I'm going to give you a few ideas of what you can maybe implement in your own business and things that I've done and things I've learned along the way of what really helped me. My first thought for you today is about if you have a cafe or a bakery or somewhere where people actually come and sit in, or even if it's like a market stall, I really want you to think about the layout of everything. So when I had originally had the cafe and I was thinking about how to get tables in, it was more complicated than I actually thought. I didn't really realise how much table planning was going to affect so many different things in the business, but it also affected how people move through the room, as well as having tables in certain positions meant that you would maybe lose four or five seats. So actually that is income into the business. I actually got someone to help me with this in the end because it was beyond my brain power and not my zone of genius for working in at all. So I had someone that actually came and helped arrange the table planning, think about the workflow of the room so that my staff could get through, so that my customers could easily get through. Things like fire exits as well, because you've got to take all of these things into consideration, how people get to the toilet. But it really helped actually maximise how many people I could get into the room. So it was thinking about the workflow, but actually really what it was thinking about was how do I make sure I maximise on making money in every 
every area of this business without making the customers feel like they're sitting right next to each other all the time. If you've got a even a market store or bakery, maybe just think about how you're laying it out. What design is it? Is it easy from a customer point of view to see everything that you've got on display? Because that's the other thing to consider is if you've got fresh cakes or fresh breads, can people see easily what you've got, how much it costs, and just think about how it's all laid out and whether you're actually maximising on the amount of sales. If people say walk past your market store or come past your front door and there's a queue and that sort of situation what can they see that will entice them to wait can they actually get to the stall or do they have to wait for someone to pay because this was one of the things that we discovered opening the bakery because the bakery came later on after we'd opened the cafe and the till point for the bakery and the cafe was the same till point and we had hadn't really appreciated that the queue for the cafe was often longer than people paying for bread and people paying for cakes because they were just coming in for a quick purchase, but they had to wait for people to order food. And that was some people really didn't like waiting, certainly where I was based in the UK. They didn't have patience when they've got things to do on a Saturday morning. And hey, I get it. I know if you're in a hurry, you just want to go get your bread, get out, get home again. But it's definitely something to think about. So have a have a think about how you're laying everything out. When you're setting up your cafe or bakery or your market store or even just online, how easy is it for people to buy stuff? Are you maximising on that space to get people in? And how easy is it for people to see what you've got for sale? My next point slightly leads into what I've just been talking about, but it's the window charm, the window display. Everyone loves a great window display. Where my cafe, bar and bakery was, we often used to get funding from the council, our local council, that would help us decorate our windows at key times of the year, like Christmas, for instance. So we used to get a budget so we could actually put some decorations to make everything feel really festive. If you've got a window space or like your market stall or wherever that might be, think about what that display does. Can people clearly see what you're selling, what your business is about? If they were to look at your front doorstep or come up to you when you're in a market? Can they instantly see what you're selling and what your business is about? What feeling do they get? Maybe just have a think about some brands or some shops that you like. Go and have a look at what how they display their windows, what they're doing. How does that make you feel? Because part of having a cafe and a bar and a bakery is it's so many senses that it enlightens. So if you're giving a person a certain feeling when they come into it, so you, I've been to places and you've probably been to places where you go in and like, yes, this is, this is my vibe. This is my jam. This is where I want to be. Think about how you want people to feel when they see your shop window, when they walk in that door. And that will help you attract more customers because you will get an understanding of what people are looking for, the kind of person that you want coming in that door and really understanding that customer needs and wants. When you're looking at how you're setting out that stall and the window in your business, think about what you want them to feel. Why do they want to come in? What is the incentive crossing through that threshold and making a purchase? Another thing to consider in any cafe or bakery is there's often a rush hour. On Saturday mornings, it would often be absolutely first thing in the morning. In the weeks, it would definitely be 
mid-morning to lunchtime where you'd kind of get a flurry when everyone just piles in at once and you're running around and then suddenly they all vanish again. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like buses, they all come at once. In a way, even though that's a great problem to have, managing that rush and making sure you're working as efficiently as possible will help maximise on those sales at those peak times. So if people know that you might be full, but you're able to turn tables around quickly or you're able to serve quickly. Have a think about how you can make sure that you don't lose people, that more people that want to come at those times. So maybe it's pre-ordering, maybe it's encouraging a booking system. Because if people book, and I used to get people used to book in the cafe, or they can order what they want to buy online. So we used to do, it was called Deliveroo. It's a it's a fast food app here in the UK where you can get it delivered to your door. So we used to have it for the cafe because people used to use it for ordering their bread, ordering their lunch. They, we did a meal deal, but they would get a sandwich, a drink, some crisps and then a cake. Sometimes they'd also order a loaf of bread on the side. So it'd be great. And they'd get it delivered to their door. So we're giving people options to sort of maximize on those peak times that we know when it's going to be busy and there is an element of being able to work efficiently in those times so think about that flow through the room is it quicker for people to pay at the counter or is it better to have table surface what works best for your business and this will be a learning curve because all of these things are a learning curve and I in the cafe we tried so many different ways of table service counter service a combination of both to try and make sure we made it one easy for the staff but also made the customer experience when they're in there easy and able to maximize on those sales during those peak times for instance i mentioned before that when we had the bakery open and we had the cafe queue they were just completely conflicting with each other and people were getting annoyed that they're having to wait for cafe orders i introduced a second till system so that someone could quickly hop on and make a sale for the bakery while someone else was doing a cafe order and it made it a lot easier and we also took pre-orders in the bakery so we could actually people could come in grab the bag off the shelf because it had their name on it and go again we knew most of the people that would pre-order so we knew they were taking the right bag but just again it's thinking about when are those peak periods how can you maximize on the sales at these peak periods and make sure that you don't lose out on customers at those rush hour times So I've already touched on this area before, but the other option to look at and something that I found worked well was being able to sell online, being able to sell online delivery services and getting, like I said, I use Deliveroo. They do take a big chunk of money. I can't remember what the percentage was, but you do have to pay a premium for that. However, when I worked out the calculations of having someone, if I employed or contracted someone to do the delivery for me, because I knew Certainly after the pandemic, when delivery became much more frequent, certainly around where I live, and that actually maybe I would get more sales and raise more awareness of my business by using that platform because people would go on and have a look and they'll see we're an option on there and they might not be customers that would normally come to us. So it kind of served two purposes. But when I looked into the cost of actually having someone employed to me to be a delivery driver as such or using a contract company, it was it didn't work out. So actually, even though they took a huge amount of money through the app, it actually served two purposes of reached a new audience. People got deliveries when they probably wouldn't have brought from us. And yes, I had to take a bit of a hit. The consequent on the financial side of it, I put the prices up ever so slightly online to accommodate that. Not as much. So I did still take a bit out of my profits margin, but I made it so it was attractive. It was viable for me as a business rather than taking it at a cut price. And I also had the online 
shop. So there's lots of easy apps out there and even you can even do it through do an online shop through Facebook these days. If tech is not your area and <laughs> the thought of setting up an online shop on Facebook just makes you quiver in your shoes, think about how much of an investment it would be to have someone do it for you. Someone manage that shop and actually would you make more money from it? So do some calculations. If I did online ordering, how much how much more efficient would it be? How much income am I likely to make? And can I get to a broader audience? Because that's the other thing about going online is some of the people online may not know who you are and they may not have come in before. So you're reaching new audiences, which again, attracts more customers into your business. Sit down and have a think about can online ordering, having an online order system, even if it's click and collect. So you could always team up with another local business in an area where you can drop off a load of cakes or loaves or whatever it is that you bake. People can then collect directly from that drop off point rather than necessarily coming to you if you're in a central location and it's not easy to get to with a car, for instance. And if you've got a bespoke cake business, if someone is, and a lot of people do, go on to Google at those sort of seven, eight, nine, ten o'clock hours of night where they're looking through and they're thinking about their wedding cake or their children's birthday cake. How easy is it for them to contact you? And I'm not saying for you to necessarily contact them straight back at those times of the day. I think it's really important. I've spoken about this on podcasts before to make sure you have boundaries with your customers and be clear on those. But can they send through a question to your question to your email can they send you an idea of what they want can they get a rough idea of quotes on what time scales you're looking at how can you make it as easy as possible for people to contact you if something isn't easy we won't do it think about how many times you've gone to order something online and it's just they didn't like your address and the credit card didn't work and then at the end of it you give up how many customers are you losing because that's happening in your business and it's not necessarily because you haven't got a great product lots of you are doing it because you love doing what you do and you have got amazing products where it's going maybe not quite working as well for you is that you're losing customers at those entry points at those touch points of can they easily contact me The other thing is, how quickly do you follow up with people? And again, I'm not talking about necessarily being instant, but even if it's setting up an automated email response or an automated Facebook message response saying, hey, I've got your message. Give me a couple of days and I'll come back to you soon. And just acknowledging, or if you're on holiday, let them know you're on holiday. So that way then they know, they're in the know of what's going on and that will help build your reputation and your customers. So another area to think about in how to attract more customers is those special events and those offers. What can you do around special events that will make people want to come in because it sounds something a bit different? And particularly with your loyal customers, I think it's great to have special events and one-offs that they will definitely come to. It could be, you know, a quiz night or it could be Christmas event or something like that. But what can you do to help people come in or attract people to come in? I used to do live music events. I used to do wine and cheese events. I was going to do, before COVID stopped us, I was going to do a Mad Hatter's tea party, which would be an evening tea. So that was in the bar. So we'd have lots of fun cocktails. But it was kind of thinking about things that were doesn't necessarily have to be like really different things that people enjoy because and people will want to come in and be sociable or go out with a group for a special treat because people love experiences these days it could be a reef making class at christmas you could 
even potentially look at doing a special offer of a specific brownie bundle for Father's Day. But whatever it might be, really maximise on some key times of the year. Celebrating an anniversary, a birthday. One of the things we, we were trialling for a while was get a free drink if it's your birthday. Lots of chain restaurants do that sort of thing. They will send you an email ahead of your birthday saying, hey, it's your birthday, come and have a drink on us and book a pizza or book whatever it is. But give people reasons to come in, make it easy for them and do something that is different from your normal that sounds like it's really up the street. If you are going to do a special event, make sure you keep talking about it. Tell everybody about it until it sells out. Don't think that you've told people once on social media they're going to see it. They're not. You have to keep talking about it. Advertise it everywhere. Tell every customer as they make a sale. Really make sure you make the most of those opportunities because you are doing people a disservice by not telling them about these things because they want to support you. They like doing something different. So tell them. The final point I am going to touch on today and something that also helped bring more customers into my business was working with other local businesses. I worked with a lot of my suppliers were local because I'm my business was based on community and using local suppliers, local produce as much as I possibly could. I worked locally with like the butcher, our eggs were local, our veg was local, everything I could possibly do that I could bring in that was local was locally sourced. And they were great collaborations to work with, even though they supplied me, but it was an opportunity to one, reach new audiences because people would say, oh, well, yes, they sell, you know, you can go and get taste our sausages over at Elsie Mays and they would come into us or do special event nights. I mentioned the wine and cheese one earlier and that was with another local shop. And again, they advertised it to their audiences, which wasn't necessarily our customer base. People then realised who we were. So collaborating together with different businesses and it, it could be that you supply food for a fashion event or something like that, something a bit different, but who in your local area might you be able to team up with and make a great event? And it was it was a really great way of bringing in new people. I get a bit similar to events. We did a cabaret day. So we had cabaret, two shows of it, and it was absolutely packed out. It was a great event. It was a whole new audience that came in, a whole new customer base that came to the cafe because they wanted to see the cabaret and they didn't know about us before. And then they knew about us and then came back. So there's some really, really clever ways where you can team up with other local people, local businesses, local schools, whatever that might be to promote, help promote your business in a collaborative sort of way. Because I truly believe that we are better at business when we work together. I've talked about this before. I don't see people that are in the industry alongside me as competition. I see them as allies because I believe that we will actually be better together and supporting each other. That will make you'll be able to learn more. You'll be able to promote your business more and be able to talk to your customers more. I used to do it in all of those sorts of ways. But my point being is that working as as a team certainly helps everybody in the local area, supports the community and makes everything better. So just a quick summary of today's podcast. So how to get more customers into your business. Think about your table planning, your market store layout. How does everything work in terms of workplay? What does your window display look like when people come to your stall or come to your bakery or whatever you might have, even your website? Can people clearly see what you're about and what feeling do you give? Think about how you can maximise on those rush hour times and 
how you can get more people in at those points. So really maximising on when you're going to make the most amount of income. Consider options around delivery, online, how you can sell online as well and reach different audiences. Consider special events and special offers and maximising on times like those and then working collaboratively, which is not an easy word for me to say, but think about who you can partner up with that will help your business. And the one final point, which I'm just going to throw out there, which I've spoken about this on the podcast before, so it's just a slightly, just a little bit of a reminder, but pricing, the one area that we all have to do, but find it very hard because it's a tricky area. I get it. I've, I've always struggled with pricing. If you're pricing your products, think about how many people you need through that door to make the most amount of money that makes your business viable for what you need it to do. If you are pricing your products too cheaply, you're going to need more people in. Think, Really think about your pricing and there is no right or wrong answer when it comes to pricing. It's all subjective. So just remember that you can't get it wrong. What you can do is learn from it, adjust it and make it better. The worst thing you can do is price everything too low, because if you're doing that, you'll probably need to consider other things of how many people then you need to get through the door. So when you're looking at your numbers, think about how many customers you can get in and then what you need to price your products and do it smartly rather than do it like everybody else does. So thank you for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you found it useful. And don't forget, come and sign yourself up to the waitlist for my next baking business course. The link will be in the show notes, but go to bakingboss.net if not, and come and join on the wait list to find out what is going to be happening in November because there's so many exciting things happening. I hope you have a great day. I hope you enjoy this podcast and I look forward to seeing you again on the next episode. As ever, happy baking. Thank you for listening to Baking Boss Kitchen Secrets with Naomi Rose. If you're enjoying this podcast, then please do give it a review and don't forget to subscribe and follow. If you want to get some useful resources, then do visit my website, bakingboss.net and give me a follow on social media at Naomi Rose Baking Boss and I am Baking Boss. We'll see you on the next episode.